پردور پادکست Welcome back to the Pelador podcast. Mr. Ross Trainer is with me. Ross, how are you getting on? I'm all good, Mike. How's yourself? Good, good. Can't complain yet. Can't complain at all. Uh, delighted to be joined by a legend of ladies football today, Breed Stack. Breed, how are you? Good. How are you doing, lads? Yeah, can't complain. Um, so I suppose lockdown, if our dough is upon us, how, how have you found it so far? What have you been up to keep yourself uh. Yeah, um, I suppose, yeah, definitely keeping ourselves a lot, uh, a lot busier this time around. Um, the small fella is just after turning one, so he's after uh, increasing his speed over short distances. So um, that's definitely uh, making things a lot more interesting. Um, training away as well the whole time, um, not as appealing going out for runs, but um, just trying to get them done. And uh, training away in the gym and, and kicking away at the moment as well. So um, hopefully preparing for a warmer climate in, in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, you, you just mentioned it there. So you, obviously the big news is you're moving to Sydney soon with the Giants. Um, when are you, when you heading off? Yeah, so it was supposed to be next week. So um, yeah, we were getting all geared up, um, locating sunglasses and things like that. And um, <laughs> now it's after being pushed out. Um, the, there's been massive flight restrictions, um, I suppose, due to a lot of Australians trying to get back into the country after lockdowns being lifted and things. Um, so the official date that all the Irish girls have been given is the 9th of uh, December, which uh, isn't ideal, I suppose, from my point of view. Um, I suppose I'm missing two thirds of pre-season um, by the time that I come out of quarantine. So we'll be flying on the 9th, landing on the 10th, uh, quarantining until the 24th. And then unfortunately the club break for Christmas break then on the 24th until the 2nd. Um, so I presume I'll have to train during that Christmas period anyway, but I, I don't mind that at all. And, um, and then there's kind of two test matches then towards the end of January. And then straight into kind of, I suppose, the, the championship then and the first week of February. So it'll be fairly condensed by the time we get over there, if that is the date. Um, so they're just trying to secure earlier flights. But at the moment, that seems to be the, the earliest flight available. So not ideal, but look, you just have to roll with it now. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, when you go into quarantine, I presume they'll be giving you a kind of a program that you can do to yeah. tip it over. Yeah, I think they were on about um, getting uh, the rooms kind of uh, kitted with maybe um, an exercise bike and um, a few weights and, and bends and stuff. So, you know, the way you'd love an all assault bike in the room and stuff, you know. Um, <laughs> so, oh, God, imagine looking at that every morning, but you're not going deal with it. <laughs> tell, tell us about how the move came about. Um, I read that Cora Staunton played a big role in bringing you over. Yeah, so we were doing um, we were doing a, a gig for the ladies football a couple of years back, and um, it was up in Dublin. So myself and Cora got um, put up that night um, in a hotel out in Slarkin or something like that. So we were just chatting that night. The two of us kind of just went down for dinner um, that evening, and we we're just chatting away. And I was asking her how she was getting on, and as I kind of went, she was just like, "Would you ever have any interest in that?" And um, at the time, I suppose I didn't. Um, I knew I was. Going retiring the following the start of the following season, um, I kind of had my mind made up, and I suppose I was hoping that we could start a family. And look, thankfully, we were blessed with a little baby boy, and everything has gone great that way. Um, but they made contact with me again. Um, so sorry, they made contact with me that year, and then I kind of just said I, I wasn't in a position to travel, and then they made contact with me again. Uh, 
just last October, just gone. Um, so I just had the baby and sure didn't know my head from my arse. So I was like, uh, I'll have to come back to you in a couple of months. <laughs> and um, look, thankfully I had a healthy pregnancy. I was able to train away. Um, I was able to get back training fairly quick afterwards. Um, not that I felt pressured or anything, but just to, I suppose I, I needed to get out as well anyway for my, he- my own head and stuff. Um, so yeah just kind of got got to grips with the baby i suppose and um mom and dad and and cork's parents were great supports so um i was able to kind of get out and do a bit more training and kind of gradually got my strength back and contacted them maybe around february or that way and just said look that um i might be in a position to come and kind of it all just kind of started rolling from there then um so yeah so then i suppose lockdown happened um i was due to go over in april for kind of a trial and um, i suppose just to kind of see the place and see the setup and look that didn't happen so um but look the communication has been great with them um, especially with the head coach alan mcconnell and he's been he's been wonderful and then i think even just having the two girls yvonne and cora has been immense because they've just filled me in on everything from start to finish and um, I suppose both of them have stressed that they were late going over as well their first years. I think they were both kind of into December by the time they got over. So um, I suppose that has kind of put me at ease. Um, I've had a good bit of, of kicking practice um, maybe, which they might not have had as much going over. So I suppose um, I'm not in the worst position, but ideally I, I would have loved to have been over there for pre-season. So. Yeah, how important you mentioned Cora and Yvonne there is having the support network going over. I know your family are going over with you as well. That must have been a key decision, part of the decision. Yeah, so Cork, my husband, is coming and our son, so he's delighted to be daddy daycare for the <laughs> foreseeable future. I don't know how the baby's going to feel about that, but you're not going to see. <laughs> and he could be eating all types of stuff, but I'm uh, sure he'll learn as he goes. So, um, yeah, so, and then I suppose having the two girls over is massive. Um, I know the two of them fairly well, um, just having played against them, against them um, for many, many years. And we've, you know, been on a good couple of all-star trips together. So you really get to know people that way. Um, so like they're sound out, solid out. And um, I know they're very straight shooters. So they tell me straight if I was doing something wrong or, you know, how to improve myself. So um, that's what I want uh, as much as possible from them. Um, they've been a huge support um, since all this kind of started rolling. And uh, I suppose I know a good few people over in Sydney um, and actually Cora put me in touch with Sarah Tierney, who would have been the fullback with Mayo for the last couple of years. She's based over in Sydney and she's been a wonderful help on the ground as well over um, just in relation to accommodation and things like that. So um, thankfully everyone has been so helpful and it's made it a lot easier than what I could have been. Did your husband take much convincing then? Uh, he was the one that was like would you give it a go uh, while I was like um, nearly trying to win the child at around two o'clock in the morning he was like will, will, will we give it a go um, so he's getting a good bit out of this now in fairness to him um, so yeah no it didn't take much convincing on his part um, but we are I suppose look, we are leaving a business um, we have our own business as well um, the two of us are teachers but I've been on a career break and uh Myself, my husband and, and his two brothers, we have um, a sports supplements and a health supplement business um, based in Cork called My Core Supplements. Um, and I suppose before the lockdown, we actually went into gym equipment, which we didn't realize at the time was going to be such a, a good idea. Yeah. And um, wow. sure, it just blew up the world and its mothers creating home gyms. So um, thankfully, that's gone very, very well. So thankfully, we're very busy with the business. But um I suppose it's, it's going to be difficult, all right, leaving the two lads, but um, we're after taking on two, um, 
two young lads now to kind of um, help out during the day a lot more. And uh, Cork, my husband, will be running kind of the admin side of it from Australia. So um, hopefully it'll be feasible. Um, look, there's still two of the lads here. So um, hopefully we can continue as we, as we left off. So your husband will be running the admin from the beach while yeah. uh, you're, you're working away. <laughs> That's it, like living the dream. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Hopefully, putting sun cream on the baby every now and again. But, um, yeah, that that'll be the job. <laughs> so, what what parts of the adventure, I suppose, are you most looking forward to? Is it the, the kind of playing professional sports side, or just living in a different country? Uh, I suppose, look, yeah, a mixture, a mixture of it all. Um, I don't think an opportunity like this comes around too often, especially for someone maybe like me, who's maybe on the the older side, the older side of things, and and the latter stage of my of my career. But um, look, it has, and I'm very very grateful and and thankful that it has, and I'm very willing to to grasp it with two hands. Um, I'm training very hard myself at the moment, so um, I'm I suppose I'm probably most excited about going over into a professional environment. Um, I feel when I was playing with Cork, we were you know very close to professional um without the label and i think you know we, we did everything right but it would be amazing to see the setup and um i suppose just everything that goes with it I, i'm really looking forward to that side of it um and then obviously look the lifestyle um as i said we run our own business um just after having a baby in the last year so it's been a fairly hectic couple of years so looking forward to kind of more laid-back lifestyle um and i think that's what australia seems to offer as well as a nice bit of sunshine to go with it uh, I will miss the sideways rain. I can't uh, definitely miss the, the bit of sideways rain when it just cuts the face off you from the, from the side. But um, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a go for, for, for the six months or however long it is. Um, I think the contract brings me up until May uh, 2021. So um, we'll see what the crack is then. I'm sure you'll, be, you'll survive without the rain. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> would it be something you think long term now? Would you like to live in Australia long term or is it just for the kind of short period? Uh, sure. Look, I, I suppose we don't know. We yeah. I've no experience of it. I've never, I've never lived away from home. Uh, you know, only for short holidays. Um, I suppose my husband Cork has been very involved with um football and hurling as well. So, um, we've never gone on any extended um trip really. Um, we've always been at home every summer playing um sport and stuff. So, uh, any trips we've had have been just you know short ones. So. I suppose we're looking forward to that and looking forward to living somewhere else for a little bit of, and you know just I suppose taking all the experience of it um, and look we'll see it may not work out like it, it may not work out at all and I have to be prepared for that too and uh, but we just have to go with flow and and give it our best shot you know definitely definitely um, obviously you did retire last year and um, was this something that was in the on the cards for a while so you're kind of keeping yourself fit knowing this opportunity was on the horizon uh, no, I suppose, like I said, um, yeah, I cropped up a couple of years back, but um, I suppose when I retired, I was hell set on, on, on starting a family and look, you just never know what way that's going to go. Like, you know, um, we could have had a, a very noisy baby or a very um, colicky baby or, you know, it just might not have been feasible. Um, and look, it just did work out the way it did. Um, so I'm very, very thankful for that. But I, I definitely wouldn't have been able to do it without the support structures that I have. So um, if they weren't in place, you know, who's to say it may not have happened. So um, thankfully, look, it all just fell into place. And I think because of that, I'm just like, right, just have to give it my best shot now. You know. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, obviously, I'm moving on to some current issues, uh, Breed. Obviously, in the news at the moment, the FA you're coming out with the 
they're going to reimburse travel expenses for uh, ladies footballers and camogie players. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Was that maybe something that was in the pipeline for a while? Um, I suppose like this is going back years upon years upon years, like um, maybe more so in the last couple of years when there's probably been more demands on players. Maybe um, there's a lot more uh, players moving away for college, a lot more players that are working further away than maybe they were maybe 10 years ago, eight years ago. Um, so look, I know there's a lot more demands on people. Um, I know it was kind of coming up around, yeah, like five, six years ago, and it's definitely more prevalent now. And that's just, I suppose, everyone just trying to raise, you know, equality levels a small bit across the board. So um, I don't know if it's something that is completely feasible, to be honest. Um, you can't compare like with like, you can't compare the GA to the LGFA. Um, you know, they're, they're two separate bodies. And look, the I suppose the ladies Gaelic, they do, you know, I suppose, they do model themselves that they are so self-sufficient and that has been amazing that they have brought in such huge sponsors, um, you know, like Lidl and they've always had the sponsorship with Teacher Car for many, many years and it's wonderful that they're that self-sufficient. But we don't have the same revenue generation that the, the that the GA have. You don't have the same people coming in the gates that the GA have. So um, it's not comparable that you can uh, mimic the two saying we should, we should be getting expenses when... You know, you, you, uh, the government is going to give funding to where they see um, revenue being generated. And um, I suppose at the moment there aren't enough coming in the gates at, at ladies football. So um, you'd love to see it. Um, you'd love to see it for those more so that are doing long journeys. Like, you know, we had many girls down through the years that were traveling from Dublin and never got a cent. Um, it wouldn't bother me um, traveling, you know, from Cork up to Cork. Um, to go training but I, I you know you would always have felt for the girls that were turning around in the late nights in January and and turning around and going back up the road to Dublin again for three hours so um you would feel for those girls doing long distances um but you know whether I think it's something like seven percent are being um reimbursed at the moment um so you'd love to see the girls that are doing big long trips you'd definitely love to see them getting getting something back all right because yeah, I read is Eva Murray the Cork Camogie player said she's out of pocket up to 50 grand over the last few years I mean you're saying it might be feasible going forward I mean where, where's the money going to come from to pay these girls I know off? I know I, I don't know where it's going to come from I think I read something um that the amount that the government was was giving between the like say the ladies football and the GA was something like uh 700,000 is it as opposed to 3 million or something like that um so like you're trying to you're trying to divvy up that um across all the different counties um i don't know it's just it's it's massive money and i know Aoife was traveling from dublin she's she was definitely up and down the country um and i know even towards the later stages when she was um kind of that bit older um you know she wasn't traveling up and down as much like um now granted that was probably it was taking a lot of toll on her on her body as well like i know she had a back injury too so um like it is massive money it is massive money for the girls that are doing long distances so like you would feel for them that, that that they are losing a lot of money um out of out of their own pocket. Well they've been kind of issues you would have dealt with in your pain as well. I mean what would have been the biggest obstacles and challenges you faced as a lady footballer when you were playing? Um like I suppose I like even when we started we were just like we were like just lambs left off and I feel like we were just so happy to be out and uh we just love playing and you know it, it didn't bother us uh what kind of obstacles were in our way we were just so happy to be out and um and, and love playing as I said but 
I suppose when Eamon came on board, she definitely did add uh, that professionalism into into our camp that we had never seen before. Um, he had come from, a, I suppose, the male, you know, the GA side of things. And um, I suppose just from the start, he, he kind of said, you know, we have to get a few things right here. And um, he, he would have done a lot of, I suppose, strength conditioning back then. He would have done all like... Um, how would you call it body conditioning and that like you know you would use somebody else as your push and pull as opposed to gymming um so like we actually didn't do a whole pile of gymming until very close to the the end of Eamon's um involvement with us um everything was done kind of just um like body conditioning uh using somebody else and uh and pulling them around the field as much as possible um that was basically it and uh, it worked out and, you know, we were very strong, we were very fit, um, but everyone bought into it. I think there was a massive honesty in our camp. We never, you know, if you were looking for, if you were looking for expenses and you were looking for new boots and free boots and stuff like that, like, you know, it just, it wasn't something that was kind of hard of, I suppose, um, back then. And, you know, that wasn't the reason we went out playing, like I said. So, um, towards the, Eamon actually as well, I think, was very heavily involved in UCC. So we never had to want for any pitches or anything because he always had, I suppose he had a link with UCC. So we never had to go fighting for pitches or anything like that. Um, so I suppose from my point of view, I feel we were always in a good enough position. We always had hot showers. Uh, granted, look, we didn't have meals after training, but like that didn't bother us. Um, there was a time where we made sandwiches and there'd be a couple of girls that would make sandwiches. And then it went on to uh, paying for sandwiches in the local shop. Uh, they'd bring down a couple of trays and we'd have them. Um, we also had a fabulous selector in Frankie Honehan and uh, he basically took it upon himself one Saturday or Sunday morning to start boiling uh, chicken carcasses and started making uh, soup from scratch for us. And it just became a thing every Sunday. Frankie would have soup, no matter if the sun was blazing or if it was, you know, cutting the face off you. He had soup for us every single Sunday. And it became more of a kind of a dressing room banter thing as well. Like we'd all go in and we'd all just sit around and drink our soup and eat the sandwiches from the local shop and, and have the chats. And that was our recovery. And I suppose towards the later stages then, grand, we were, we were you know, taking our proteins and stuff, but everything was off our own back. Um, but that was if you felt you needed extra stuff. But um, I suppose a lot of people knew a lot about nutrition towards the end as well. And, you know, we're looking after themselves as well. But uh, we never wanted for anything in terms of facilities, but... Um, I suppose the other side of things, you know, I was in a privileged position because I was living up in Cork and I wasn't ever traveling too far. Um, at, you know, towards the end, all right, at the start, we were traveling from Limerick, but there was a carpool of us. So, you know, it was always dispersed um, in that way. So it was grand. Um, but you definitely feel for the girls that were turning around on the cold nights going back up to Dublin. Um, you, you definitely would feel for them. And all they had was a belly full of soup or, uh, you know, um, a couple of sandwiches. But look, we were happy out. <laughs> <laughs> you touched on it there, Breed. Um The LGFA or ladies, ladies football has come an awful long way in such a short space of time. Yeah. It's been remarkable. One thing you, you touched on there was the S&C side of things, the physicality. What do you think about the, the current rules in, in LGFA or Gaelic football that it's, there's a lot less contact allowed, I suppose, than let's say the men's game. Yeah, I suppose, look, it depends on the referees too, but there probably isn't, you know, consistency across the refereeing um, displays sometimes, you know, like that what, what might be deemed okay by one ref isn't by another. So that just comes with consistency, I suppose, across refereeing. Um, some allow a little bit more than others. And, uh, 
you sometimes you appreciate you know the game allowed to flow a lot more like um and you know it's going to get it's going to get physical it is a physical enough game um but yeah look there's not there's no shouldering or anything but some referees kind of leave it off a little bit more which you appreciate definitely because you're probably after training very very hard and just because you might be a bit of a bigger girl with a bigger back <laughs> doesn't mean that uh, you know you're doing anything intentionally to to a smaller player but um look <laughs> this is me talking now as like back who always kind of got called out maybe against a smaller player but um that, that was just the way it went and um she was i was going to say you were hardly a saint for this this carry on <laughs> i never actually i didn't get it. i never got uh, sent off um i never got straight red now or anything but um i got sinbin twice all right so that rule i wouldn't be mad about that rule now all right but um i got sinbin twice kind of a two important games um but they may or may not have been my own fault, you know, but uh, <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, is she going down the road here of advocating like non-physical <laughs> contact? I was like, would you? No, I'm not. Not at all. I think, and like girls, like girls welcome it, especially as, the, as you said, as they've trained hard. Um, there's so many clubs or so many county teams that are gymming now that, you know, it wasn't a thing back, back in the day. And, um, I suppose even when Efi took over in 2016, he put in a, a gym program in place. Sure, we we hadn't done a gym program kind of before that. Um, everyone was just kind of, I suppose, doing their own thing. But Eamon never kind of put an official gym program in place. Um, but we did an awful amount on the field of kind of resistance training, I suppose you'd call it. Yeah. Well, that's where you get your base from. Like you have to, yeah. you can't just go from nothing straight into a gym. Yeah, if I know. And Eamon used to always say, "You're not going to be pushing a barbell like around the place, like you know, you're <laughs> going to be, you're going to be trying to push someone off you." So it was that type of thing, like, and geez, it was brilliant stuff. Like you would be absolutely wrecked after, you know, doing shadow boxing on the field for a minute or two minutes uh, flat out, like you know. So I suppose he was a bit ahead of his time that way, and you know, we did get very strong, we did get very fit from all of that type of stuff, like you know. Yeah, big time. I believe uh, talked us more about a bit about Eamon Ryan. I believe tactics wise and I believe some of his motivational speeches were were top drawer. Yeah, yeah. Tactics now wouldn't be his strong point. <laughs> he, he, he'd always call them like tic tacs. He was like, you know, those tic tacs or whatever they're called. Um, but yeah, no, he was. I suppose he was definitely an advocate for for just playing all out football, fifteen on fifteen, and and every girl to win her own battle. You know, um, and we love that about him. He gave. He gave people a lot of freedom to be creative and to express themselves, which I suppose a lot of people appreciated. But um, in saying that, then he always, um, I suppose, he always made people accountable for, for their actions. And I think that's what made us um, maybe mature as a team early on, um, in that you were given a bit of free reign, but you were always accountable for your actions. And it kind of, it, it lay with you then if things didn't work out. So he was definitely ahead of his time in that way, for ladies football um and we just we absolutely loved him for it um you still wouldn't be able to have a full-blown conversation with him like you'd still be a small bit scared of him and he'd be uh he was like he was a quiet man but um like always thinking i would imagine like he's a very very intelligent man um but you never knew where you where you stood with him like you know um which i suppose kept us all on our toes and kept us all very honest absolutely no harm having a bit, a bit of fear of god in you no <laughs> No, trying to duck the curly finger like left, right, and centre. Like, yeah. You you obviously had great success under Eamon Ryan and Effie Fitzgerald. What were the biggest difference, maybe, maybe between the two? Between Eamon and, and Effie, yeah. Oh, Eamon and Effie. Um, Sorry, yeah. But I, yeah. So I suppose um, Eamon was definitely a bit more old school, but um, 
he he definitely would have been one for for giving accountability back to players and he would have always always said the focus would have been your skills like you know um he said like he would have always focused on the basic skills first like even when we went back training in January it was never slog running it was always like get back do the basics first and then we can slog it out like you know um because he said you know he wants footballers first and you can make anyone then into an athlete after that um but you needed to be um I suppose uh you needed to be a con well you needed to have um definitely self-confidence in what you were doing and I suppose the more competent you are at the skills the more confident you are as a player and you were going to better the team then in that way so um definitely he put an awful emphasis on skills when Efi took over in fairness to him he didn't change much in 2016 um he did improve or he did introduce a gym program and he brought in a strength and conditioning um guy of um sorry called Jesus Christ, um, Mike, Mike, oh my God, will I ever forget Mike's name? No, I will not. Um, Mike Carroll, um, and Mike absolutely ran the legs off us. Like we would have done very, very hard training with Eamon, but I felt in 2016, we had very hard training with Mike, um, especially the running side of things. Um, maybe that was down to, we had lost a good few stalwarts, um, with Eamon departing, a lot decided to kind of step away. Um, and I suppose there was a gradual step off anyway in the two years before Eamon finished. Um, so we were down to uh, four of us, I suppose, that, four or five of us, I suppose, that had um, started from the very start. So there was myself, Deirdre Riley, Breege, and Rena, who had started from 2004. Uh, we were the only four that were left in 2016. Um, so I suppose, you know, we, we did everything that, that Mike taught us and he made us super, super fit. We were probably um, without a good few stalwarts and a good few girls who would always steady the ship, you know, when things got really, really tough. So that year, I suppose, we definitely needed to be fitter and he made sure of that. Um, so that was vital for us, I think, in 2016. I don't, I don't know if we, were, if we weren't as fit as we were in 2016, would we have got over the line? Um, but look, we did, and um, you know that that was brilliant. And then in 2017, I suppose the three girls stepped away. Um, I was humming and hawing for ages, and I decided late to go back. And I suppose I had missed a preseason. I had been training away, but maybe not as hard as I normally would have been training. And as I said, missing a preseason just and being a bit older, like just was a recipe for disaster, really. And um, I tore my hamstring three times um, during that year. I tore it just before the league final, uh, just before, or just in between the months, uh, between the Munster and the first round championship. And I tore it just before the Mayo semi-final as well, which was just a disaster. So I was just, uh, I suppose I wasn't playing at full confidence definitely in 2017. And I suppose more so than ever, I really missed the girls that I had started with in 2004. And, um, yeah, I suppose it was just, it was a natural progression then after that. I suppose I wasn't enjoying football as I usually would. Um, and it was just a, a combination of everything. But I suppose I definitely missed uh, the teammates that I've all, I always would have gotten a lot of uh, kind of inspiration from or a lot of motivation from. Um, so that was probably a, a big impact in 2017. But in fairness, Tifi, he didn't change anything, you know, the first year. And then obviously, look, he, he went in and did his own style then from 2017 on. Um, 
and look hopefully the girls will come good again uh, they're they are like they're they're not a very very young team but they would have maybe a lot of girls that wouldn't have played a lot of intercounty um so look it's just going to take take time to kind of find the balance uh, and i suppose you know play players in in their best positions maybe they haven't found their best positions yet and hopefully car football will be on the rise again in another couple of years you know Cork football is not going away anytime yeah. soon. Like, there's no chance. Yeah. It's too much of a legacy you guys have left there. That yeah. Even in the underage. But I, I do think we were very, very lucky with the group that came together and just the way it all fell together and the way that Eamon came in and was the glue that held it all together in 2004. Like Eamon was our coach for... Um, Gina Mack, he was coach for 11 years. Like, 11 years, uh, yeah, like I suppose, you know, you, you think of Brian Cody and Mickey Hart and all these, like, uh, they must stay on because they're getting so much out of players and like the players obviously are getting a, a lot of, a lot from them as well um, and like I, do, I think regardless of success I think every girl would have stayed on for Eamon because he just got the best out of absolutely everyone and he made you feel about 10 foot tall um, not by you complimenting you but just kind of like he might just give you a nod or you know he might just and he'd never single out a player as well I think that was something that we all loved about him if Valerie scored, you know, two ten in a game. He wouldn't ever single her out. Like he would just say, you know, collectively we did this good, we did this good. Um, so no one was ever bigger than the team, and and I think that's what kept the team very grounded for as long as it did. It's remarkable. Like like you mentioned, Brian Cody there and Tommy Walsh is off, and all the Kilkenny players say it is like he was never the one for really the arm around the shoulder, but he was a phenomenal psychologist. Yeah, and he was able to recycle teams, build teams year on year. Like you had exactly the same there with Eamon. Like, and the ability to do that is, is like, that is, like, if you bottle that. Like, if you could bottle goal. it, yeah. I know it's gold. And I don't know if you get that from many managers. Um, so I just feel very, very honored and privileged that I got to play under him for as long as I did. Definitely, yeah. It's some like amazing battles over the years. And so when I was on Ireland finals breed, uh, Monaghan, Dublin, I mean, what ones do you remember back on and go, Jesus, that was. That was a serious tussle, like. Yeah, um, yeah. There was a good few. No, my God, there was a good few that we only beat. Um, you know, we only had a point or two points to spare towards the end, like. And I suppose that definitely went to show the standard was was there for for many many years. And I suppose, unfortunately, and I don't know whether you say unfortunately in that way, but um, the last couple of years it's been kind of. Cork, Dublin, Cork, Dublin, Mayo, and Galway are coming now again. But like I remember you know, going back over the years, we had, uh, I'd say in eight different, eight different finals, I'd say we had five different finalists, you know, mm-hmm. um, and that just went to show that there were so many teams that were so close, it was nip and tuck for, for many, many years, whereas now maybe there's two or three that have broken away from the rest of the pack, um, so you'd love to see the standard come back up again in, in other counties and just make it a real, you know, a real competition and a real championship, um, you know, for, for spectators because that's what people want to see. And I suppose, you know, even watching the football for years, um, you know, Grand wrote Dublin are, are kind of after after coming away with it there now in the last while. But uh, when you looked at the hurling then, like everyone's mad to watch the hurling because it could be anyone's game, you know. And you just want competition, you want good competition. And hopefully, you know, the latest football that, you know, all teams will, will start rising up again and, and raising the bar. Seems since Dublin got that kind of the victory a couple of years ago, they've kicked on an awful lot in ladies football. Um, they, they might be going for your legacy. <laughs> yeah, oh, and and they very well they very well could. Um, 
I suppose, and like even when you go back on the ones we won, we won um, 2014 by coming back from 10 points. Um, you know, 2015, uh, we only won by a point, I think, and 2016, we only won by two points. So they were nip and tuck there for years. They could have come across the line. We might have just gotten the rub of the green that day. Um, so, you know, they could have another, another couple, definitely. They were coming force, and I suppose we knew that too, and you had to try to raise the bar every single year, and we were able to raise the bar uh, under Raymond for a good couple of years and in 2016 we just had enough like I said in the tank we we trained very very hard and we were very very fit that year and I think you know fitness held out at the very end but um you know you always knew they were coming force and fair play to them you know it takes a lot of Lerodis to come back year on year you know having maybe just fallen at the final hurdle like there's deadly hunger in in those Dublin girls and deadly there's obviously a brilliant team ethos. They all seem to get on very, very well, which is fundamental for a team to, to be successful. You have to be friends, you have to get on and you have to work collectively. And, and they have done that and they've gotten over the hurdle, I suppose, in 2017. And, you know, they've kicked on then like in, in the last couple of years. So, um, yeah, fair play to them. Like you, you have to take your hat off to them. They've, they've stuck with it and, and now they're the team to beat and uh, they're the ones that are raising the bar. You're not saying that you're great at teeth now, are you? Nope, I am. I'm fine out. I'm happy out watching now as a sporter, and I I'm loving it to be honest. Um, it's lovely to still see girls playing that you played against, and um, I just wish everyone the best. Like, and I I just hope ladies football takes off as a spectacle, not just on the grand finale day. You'd love to see it being a spectacle all year round. You know. Big time. Uh, Breed, you you did your your studies, I suppose, in uh, in UL. Were you able to? lived a student life or were you focused on your uh, football the whole time? Um, yeah, no, I definitely had plenty of hot chicken rolls in first year. And uh, I suppose I would never, uh, like I never lived away from home and mom and dad wouldn't be um, drinkers or smokers or anything. So when I went to UL, um, yeah, put on, I'd say a good solid stone in the first like two months and um mary collins was our manager with the ladies football with cartoons football at the time and she's <laughs> so i went home every weekend to like recuperate and um <laughs> like obviously do the washing and stuff drop my my washing um off to mom and things like that and um on sundays mary collins used to collect me she lives in rock chapel as well um so she was our manager as i said and she used to collect me on sundays and we used to go up to car together and one Sunday anyway on the way home she was like come here now I don't know what you're eating I don't know what you're doing but she was like you want to take a step back from the table and um, she was like or you're not going to be in contention with winning a place on this team like and that was 2005 um, so that was our first year and um, we went on and we won in All Ireland that year and I got I got my place back only actually in the semi-final I think no, I had won my place back in the end of the quarter final and I got my, my starting berth on the semi-final. Um, but unless she had had that conversation with me, I don't know, like I was lost the, lost the head altogether the first two months and ate all around me and couldn't manage money and things like that. But um, she looked, that's what happens in college. And and then look, I, I thankfully saw what mattered most to me and it was, you know, being part of that team and being fit and healthy. And um, by God, the second year, I definitely didn't let that happen. I was... Uh, very fit second year I was probably my fittest in 2007 um, 
that was I was in third year college then that year. Um, I was captain of the O'Connor Cup team, which is basically the equivalent of the Sigerson. And um, so I was captain of the team that year, and we won the O'Connor Cup that year. Um, and then we, we went on and we won we beat Mayo in the the All Ireland final that year, and I got I got player of the match in that final as well. So I think in two thousand seven I was just really focused. I wanted to be super super fit, and uh, probably took until second year all right though to calm down, but um. Yeah, first year we were fairly solid. We were fairly solid girls and would find big backs on us. Um, but <laughs> like, sure, we didn't have a clue about nutrition. Like, you know, you see younger people going to college now and they have so many, um, they have so many fantastic accesses to, you know, to all these different plans. And I suppose Instagram wasn't a thing back then. We were on the Bebo um, trail and uh, there wasn't too many nutritionalists setting up on Bebo, do you know? What would the <laughs> so like yeah so we didn't have a clue about nutrition sure it was just bowls of pasta like coming out our ears so um yeah we learned fairly fast anyway how to how to portion control and uh to sit back from the table a bit and look thankfully um kind of kicked on from there then yeah but you need you need that you need that Actually, you need you need it. yeah yeah you need those fat pictures to look back on don't you like yeah <laughs> <laughs> but you look at like how many countless of the, the men's side of things like they're all heading away for a year now or doing a, a summer in the states because like it's just so intense like, yeah yeah, yeah. Of it is, and even it was gas like aiming the first year oh my god the first year we won the all-ireland in 2005 i was 18 so so we're a good shot of the girls someone like myself angela brie trina narita jer we would have all been around the 18 mark and les there wasn't a pub we didn't visit in Cork um, after that All Ireland. Like it was crazy stuff. Like I'd say there was floors changed in every pub that we went to. It was just <laughs> mental stuff. But Eamon really championed it. He was like, it was important to visit every player's club, you know, and to bring the All Ireland back to every player's club. And he, I'd say, never missed a night either. And we visited every player's club and it was just unbelievable for bonding and, uh, I think it that's maybe I, I know like you have to be able to celebrate like it's great to win and everything but you have to celebrate these things like what's the point if you don't go out and celebrate it and by god we got about a good three solid months out of that anyway and uh then in january we were all, we were all back again solid sally's back into Eamon and sure he was he was running the legs off us then like again but sure that's we just absolutely loved it and then as you got a bit older all right you had to had to do a good bit of um of work yourself before you came back because you knew the slog that was ahead um but you had to do that like you have to celebrate it or what's the point you know exactly i know uh, a dublin footballer for uh, after 2011 of the next 49 nights after they won the all-ireland he was out 47 of them <laughs> that's, that's, the, dog that's the job I, that'll put hairs in your chest anyway wouldn't it you, that, was, that was some going that was uh, some going but sure he didn't put a hand in the pocket did he not once not see, once yeah that's the job see that's you need to be really recognizable and just make sure that like <laughs> that somebody's paying for the drinks oh, what you were doing? <laughs> no <drink>. no <laughs> <laughs> Well, I suppose when you look back, Bree, from the start, and you started playing football uh, inter-county until now, what are the massive changes you see in the ladies' game? Um, I suppose, like, you're definitely seeing a lot more visibility. Um, 
Like you walk down Jones's Road there for the last couple of years and there was massive little posters with Reach Corkery's face, Sarah Rowe's face, Sinead Hearn. Like people are so much more recognisable um, and it's brilliant because it means that younger people have role models to aspire to, you know. Um, I suppose when I was growing up we didn't have a fantastic senior um, senior team at Cork so there was no, no one, like I suppose, well first of all it wasn't televised and things like that. Um, until TG Cahar came on board. But um, you, you didn't have someone to emulate. You didn't have someone to look up to. Like I remember when I was growing up, I just absolutely adored watching Seamus Moynihan. He was, he was my idol. Like I just absolutely loved him. I wanted to play like him. Anytime, you know, he was coming out of defence, that was the type of player I wanted to be, bursting out of defence, running hard out of defence, um, you know, throwing shapes. I absolutely loved the way, you know, he was just a solid, teak tough defender. I just loved that about him. And um I suppose he was who I was trying to emulate. Whereas now there are girls up and down the country that have players within their own counties that they're saying, oh, I can't wait. To, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick this free now like Sinead Hearn or, you know, I'm going to dummy solo here like Sarah Rowe might do or Grace Kelly might do up in Mayo. Like, it's brilliant that, that there's such visibility there. And I suppose that comes with social media and how it has grown so much. And, you know, everyone's on Instagram now and everything is so much more accessible and, um, like I said, Teacher Cahar have been unbelievable. Like they're showcasing more and more games year and year in. Um, and it's just unbelievable. Um, I suppose for counties, for girls growing up, it, that's most, most important to have role models and to have positive role models. You obviously mentioned Teacher Cahar there. They're showing all the LGFA games this year, which is, which is great, isn't it? Yeah, and there was loads of, um, I suppose, uh, Pelinamon gold games as well during yeah. the lockdown there. Like, you know, I, it was brilliant to see, like, all, even all the old, and um, there was loads of, of the GA games, but there was loads of Pelinamon gold games, and, and they were absolutely class. Like, um, I, got, I actually got a present for my 30th birthday of every single All Ireland final um, on DVD from. Teach, well not from Teach Car, but someone got on to Teach Car and got them for me I just yeah. thought it was such a lovely gift because um, do you know like when back in the day you'd be recording them or whatever um, sure God, I don't even know where, where they are like are they on tapes or whatever like you know so to have them all on DVDs was such a lovely lovely gift and granted I've never sat down and had like I suppose I've watched one or two but um, we, we would watch them coming home on the bus maybe after games or when we got to, you know, down the country, if we stopped, we, we would watch them. But um, I've never sat down and, and watched them. And it's just a lovely thing to have. Um, so even just like that, like TG Cahar showing some of the goal games, uh, there was one on there versus Monaghan. The 2013 or the 2011 final was on a couple of weeks, a couple of months back. And sure, we were all on the blower on the WhatsApp group and again going, uh, do you remember when we were fit like that? And uh, do you remember when you could, do you remember when you could fit into size 32 shorts and things like that? You know, like just, it was always brilliant. Like it just, you relived it all again and it was just amazing. But um, it does seem like a completely different life at the moment like um I suppose um you were in such a bubble for so long um and then when you leave it you know that's it then like it's it's mad so uh, I suppose you definitely encourage anyone that's in it at the moment to just relish it and appreciate every minute absolutely and last one for me Breed uh, the best player you played with over the years and the best player against oh man sure you can't be asking <laughs> questions like that yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, like I could name ten people like easily that I that I played with that have just been uh I suppose from both just I suppose being good people and just being the best players and doing everything right and I suppose what I saw that they were doing everything right. Um 
but um, like you, you could name any of them. Like Julia Murphy was unbelievable, like unbelievable leader from start to finish. Everything she did was just meticulous, and she just she just make you want to be a better person and a better player and everything. She was just outstanding, and like you could just name any of the girls. Angela, like they're just unbelievable. Breed, Rena, Jar, Narita, any of them. Honest to God, but um, I suppose I would have played my longest bout of football probably with Deirdre O'Reilly. Um, so she would have been my club mate at Rock Chapel and she would just like she would turn a handy man upside down like she's just she was just the most uh, honest player I think I've ever come across she just was teed tough from start to finish and I was so so glad that I got to play club with her and I got to play county with her Um she like yeah she just epitomized kind of just honesty in a player um and she just went hard at everything she did like even at training she'd never let up once um so she was always kind of i suppose my benchmark um i i, I just loved being in her presence and i loved training with her um she definitely got the most out of me and i i got um a lot from her and Great. then oh yeah the other player was probably yeah sure i probably have said it before anyway, but uh cora was definitely probably the one that um that I found I challenged myself the most with. Um, I yeah, like she she had it all to be fair to her, like, you know. And I think that the the biggest attribute that she has is just her mental toughness, you know. She like she just keeps going, keeps going, keeps like chipping away. And like I think she's turning 40 this year, someone told me. Um, like and she's still playing um out playing AFL, coming back after a double leg break. Like the the girl just doesn't understand, I suppose taking it handy like she's just so mentally tough and um she's very very driven and yeah she definitely would have been the best player I think I, I would have played against and Sinead Ahern to be fair is outstanding as well and she's back for I don't know what season she's on now but like the longevity that the girls have gotten is definitely like grand they keep themselves in good tune but the mental toughness is something else so um yeah hopefully Hopefully they'll give me a small bit of that in the coming in the coming months. Great stack. Thanks very much for that and best of luck on your adventure in Australia. No matter. Thanks, Mike. Thanks, Ross.